So today we're beginning a new sermon series um, where we're going to be spending time with some of Jesus's core teachings that if we are honest about it, are just counter to how we expect the world to work. The Oxford Language, Language English Dictionary defines the word paradox in this way, a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Plenty of Jesus's teachings were judged to be absurd in his own time. And again, if we are being honest about it, the same holds true today. Yet when we are brave enough to follow them, when we investigate them fully by seeking to live them, we discover that they prove oh so true. So today we begin at the heart of Jesus' teaching in life. Today we begin with the paradox of the gospel. Let's listen to Jesus as he speaks to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, first from the Common English Bible translation and then from the message. Let's listen to God's word for us together this day. Then Jesus said to his disciples, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will find them. The message translation says it this way. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love that. Can we all love that together? Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Amen. So it is superbly hard for me to believe it, but we have an almost 16-year-old in our house, which means, among other things, that we are in the midst of teaching her how to drive. We've graduated from parking lots and the slow country roads right around where we live, and are in that season of her learning where we are just trying to get her as many miles on the road as we can before we let her loose on her own. Y'all are going to have to pray real hard for me come December because that's when that's happening. Which means this soccer mom is spending way more time in the passenger seat than I am used to spending. Last week, the girls were on fall break, so on Friday, we were out shopping for some new winter clothes for them down at Town Center. As we finished up and prepared to head for home, I handed Maya the keys, jumped in the passenger seat, and without thinking too much about it, plugged our home address into the phone's map so it would tell us the quickest route to get home. And before I knew it, we were headed up Knoll Avenue toward 435 on a Friday afternoon at Five o'clock. 
I'm not sure if you spend much time on 435 at 5 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, but suffice it to say, we were not the only ones trying to make our way home at that particular moment in place. The moment I realized that I maybe should have thought this through a bit more was when we turned onto the on-ramp and there were so many cars on the highway, the stoplight at the end of it was actually activated, which you like hardly ever see in our city, right? Actually operational, so that only a few vehicles at a time would get the green light to go ahead and get on the road. I'm guessing that if you've ever taught a young person to drive, you, like me, have been envious of those driver's ed cars outfitted with that passenger seat brake for emergency purposes. Truth be told, my girl did really good that day with her first experience on the interstate in rush hour. But mama had more than one moment of grabbing that handle above my head and reaching for that brake that wasn't there at my feet. I personally prefer to be in the driver's seat. And my gut is that I am not the only one especially when it comes to the road of life. I think we have this innate drive for independence that is only heightened by our culture while our self-reliance and self-sufficiency are so deeply valued. We want to make it on our own, build a life for which we can be proud We don't want to have to depend on anyone. We want to be in control. We spend all kinds of energy working, striving, earning, trying to ensure we are going to be okay, have what we need, what we want, what our heart desires. And yet it only takes one moment when something unexpected appears on the road ahead of you and you go for the break at your feet and suddenly realize it is not there, it only takes one moment like that for any of us to be reminded of the truth from our scripture today, that we aren't in the driver's seat when it comes to our lives. And the truth is we aren't meant to be. In order to save our lives, we must lose them. It is when we are willing to lose our lives that suddenly life is found. Martin Luther, the 16th century monk who started the Protestant Reformation, is known to have said that Christianity, the Christian mission, is just one hungry beggar telling another hungry beggar where to find bread. Now here's the thing. We have to realize we are beggars to go hunting for bread. We have to lose our life in some way come to the end of our own resources, recognize our limits, come to a place where we realize we don't have it all figured out. We have to come to a place where we realize what we thought we needed, what we thought we wanted, all those things we can get our hands on, we think our heart desires, just don't satisfy. But they just leave us hungry. We have to hit a patch in the road that makes us realize we aren't in the driver's seat. 
our scripture tells us today, don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me, the one who walked toward suffering, was willing to lose my life so that you might find yours. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help will not lead you there. Self-sacrifice, relinquishing, letting go, surrendering is how you will find yourself, your true self. It is how you will find your life, the life you were meant to live. It really does sound absurd if you think about it. That we have to lose our lives in order to find them. Jesus' first disciples struggled mightily with this teaching, and then even more when Jesus lived it out to the fullest. Jesus lost his life so that we might find ours. Jesus sacrificed his everything so that he might save us. The moment we stop trying to save ourselves, y'all, that's the moment life begins. Okay, truth moment. Some of our favorite moments together, right? So friends, the church as we have known it is dying. The church as we have known it is dying. You're sitting there thinking, we give her three months to rest and rejuvenate, to study and listen, to reflect and grow, and this, this is the message she has for us when she returns. Just know I feel you. But also hear loud and clear from me that I actually trust that absurd as it sounds, I trust that this reality we are facing is actually good news. For too long now, the church, and here I am not talking about Heritage Church in particular. I'm talking capital C church, all of us church, collective church. For too long now, the church has lost its way. We spent too many years acting like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, those religious leaders who liked to judge who was in and who was out. We spent all kinds of time fighting with one another over the same wars being fought in our culture. The most conservative end of the church spectrum has tied themselves to a political ideology, and the rest of the church has struggled to find their voice in the midst of that reality. We've bought into the commercialism that is at the heart of our economy and society and put ridiculous amounts of energy into being the product people want to buy when they go church shopping. We've become so focused on our own survival, we forget we follow a Lord who taught us our absurd teaching from today. If you are going to save your life, you must lose it. We forget we follow a Lord who not only taught us this lesson, but then went to the cross to prove to us that his teachings are true. 
Y'all were living in a postmodern, post-denominational, post-Christian world where the grand majority of people alive in our communities today just don't trust institutions anymore. And quite frankly, that mistrust is kind of understandable. Which means if we as the church are sitting on the proverbial bus, we are facing a stretch in the road where we are grabbing for the handles above our heads. We are reaching for brakes that aren't there. And for the first time, maybe in a long time, we are collectively praying like crazy that we are not in the driver's seat. During my sabbatical, I spent a week with my pastor's group. And during our time, we met with Mark Ramsey. He's a former Presbyterian pastor who now runs the Ministry Collaborative. It's an organization that supports countless pastors and congregations of all stripes around our nation to help them be creative leaders in their communities. As Mark spoke with us, he was honest about the state of the church right now. With lots of data and explanation, he shared the same message with us that I have just shared with you, that the church as we have known it is dying. But he, too, sees this reality not as something to fear, but instead as good news. And here's why. The church as we have known it held a central place in the life of any given community and of people's lives. And for some time, it was the place people turned to for so much. It's where you turn to for your social life, to find a way to serve your community, to engage and raise your kids. The church offered all kinds of activities and programs that people engaged with. It was just not our reality anymore. And this is what Mark had to say about what is our reality. It's a little, it's a little graphic, so bear with me, right? He said, the culture has picked the carcass of the church clean. Meaning all the things the church used to be and do in our communities, the culture has found a way to do them, to meet those needs outside of the church. The culture has picked the carcass of the church clean. But in that process, the one thing the culture didn't know what to do with was Jesus. He said the culture chewed on Jesus for a little while, tried to digest him, but eventually just spit him back out. Which is why this is actually really good news for the church that is becoming, that is yet to be. Because y'all, Jesus is the only thing the church has ever needed. And part of why the church has lost its way is that we forgot that. That we stopped following after Jesus, focusing on his good news, the gospel, which will tell us again and again this absurd truth. That it is through self-sacrifice, relinquishing, letting go, surrendering, that we, the church, will find ourselves our true self. It is how we will find our life, the life we were meant to live. Mark uh, shared a blog with us um, as a pastor is asking this question of churches, saying, where are we most alive? 
And he found that a lot of churches move quickly from that question, where are we most alive, to what do we need to do to survive, right? And he went on to name that in this post-Christian, post-modern, post-denominational world that we're living in, uh, where there's a lot of people spiritually curious but institutionally suspicious, he's like, I don't think a lot of people are sitting around at their dinner tables wondering if they could go help an anxious church figure out how to survive, right? They're not sitting there saying, honey, why don't we go find a church in our neighborhood that really needs us to meet their stewardship needs come November so that um, we can support them in that need, right? He's like, nobody ever is sitting around having that conversation at their dinner table. But he went on to say, do you know what people are asking today? these questions. Am I alive? Beyond the striving, the earning, the hammering away, in the midst of a life that feels rushed, disconnected, overscheduled, am I, are we really alive? He believes people are asking those questions maybe now more than ever, and I deeply believe that too. Because I'm one of the people that has spent a decent amount of time as of late with just those questions rolling around in my mind and heart. What three months of rest and rejuvenation, of study and time to listen, of reflection and growth will do is it will help you get up high enough so you can see the forest through the trees, right? It'll help you see the big picture, help you understand what is most important. As I return to you, I do so as a hungry beggar who by the grace of God has found some bread. As I return to you, I do so as a hungry beggar who sees just how many more of us there are in the world. People who are hungrily searching for that which makes them come alive. As I return to you, I have all kinds of hope about our future about the future of the body of Christ in the world, all kinds of clarity about what that future is meant to be about. And y'all, it's simply this. is Jesus and the good news that he brings. This absurd gospel truth that we, none of us, all of us, we, we, do not have to save ourselves. Jesus meets us right where we are in the midst of our deep hunger, in the midst of the chaos that is our lives and our world. Jesus meets us right here and offers us the love and the grace that feeds us, satisfies us, saves us the love and the grace that leads us to life. Amen.